there and welcome everyone to this new season of the Ultimate Supply Chain podcast. I'm Louise Barber, Global Head of Marketing at DHL Supply Chain, and I'll be your host for this series. I'm really delighted to be joined today by Radu Palamariu, who's been working in consulting and executive search roles for the last 20 years, with a focus on helping businesses building out strong teams to achieve better results. Radu has a really strong passion for logistics and supply chains, and he's the co-author of a new book, Amazon Bestselling From Source to Sold, Stories of Leadership in Supply Chain. He's currently Managing Director, Asia Pacific and Europe of Alcock Global. Radu, welcome to the podcast and thanks so much for being our guest on this second season. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Great. Well, before we jump into our discussion today, I'm curious to know, how did you end up in supply chain um, after studying psychology? I mean, to be fair, my team's always shocked and surprised when I tell them I started life as an accountant, but your jump jump seems way more significant. Yeah, I um, and then there's more irony somehow to this because I, my day job is headhunting and um, a lot of people still have the perception that careers are somehow linear. So I uh, I certainly do not exhibit that in my own. <laughs> sure. um, so I graduated psychology. Then I did about three years in training, development, executive coaching. In the middle of that, I got married and traveled the world for about six mm. months sabbatical. Then I went on to start my own business, failed miserably, went bust. Then I got a job stayed in there for about eight months. Then I got another job, stayed in there for 10 months. And then, so I displayed typical Generation Y type of um, <laughs> moving around. And then I stumbled across executive search. I hadn't done search before. I got hired by, um, by a company that was setting up at that time in Asia, their Singapore office. I uh, wasn't focused on supply chain, um, but the Singapore market is extremely competitive with 3,000 other recruitment companies and about wow. 30,000 or 40,000 people working in the field for a population of 5 million is probably the highest concentration of recruiters per yeah. capita. And um, I realized that you can't be a generalist. And my first big client uh, was a logistics company. Um, and. Um, Basically, that's that's how it all started for me. I started with that company. I went deeper and deeper from logistics. I ended up working with manufacturing companies. And here I am. I am 10 years later. I can say that I know a thing or two about supply chain and logistics, uh, hopefully. And then that's how I specialized within supply chain and logistics. We wrote a book. We did the events. We do Oscars. We do a lot of other things on top of executive search. But... Um, I hardly can say that this was anywhere planned. <laughs> Obviously, the um, the best plans are always the ones that are not planned. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of us have stumbled our way towards the careers we've ended up with. And, and obviously, you and I are no different in that. Um, recruitment, um, headhunting, that is a great way to find great leaders, which is obviously a good source for a book. Um, Source to Sold, your collection of leadership stories from various leaders in our industry. In that, you talk a lot about the profile of supply chain leaders um, and what makes them tick. Um, the bits that stood out for me, or a couple of bits that stood out to me, you talk about them being pragmatic and can-do types. Um, and you've asked a fundamental question. Why don't we see more of those pragmatic can-do types becoming CEOs? 
Why was that a pivotal question for you to answer? Yeah, and maybe maybe a bit of uh, of the origin story of the book. So Knut, um, who's the partner in McKinsey and, and myself about two years ago, so this was at the height of uh, COVID, we were talking and saying, look, it wouldn't it be cool if we saw more supply chain leaders, logistics leaders take on a CEO role and uh, we were brainstorming, is there something that we could potentially do to help the community or inspire at least, if maybe not, not directly help. And uh, this book was our attempt to do that. Um, it's been a year since the book was released. So uh, on the 4th of October, 2023, it's, it's going to be exactly a year. It's been about 20,000 people that have bought the book. Um, it has reached uh, far and wide from Iraq to uh, Afghanistan, I think, to what? India, Mexico, to Guatemala, to um, corners of the earth. We never thought it would reach really. Um, to the point where I was in San Francisco, I tell you a fun story. This year, early this year, um, um, I uh, rode to Roshan, who's the chief supply chain officer, or handles most of the supply chain of Tesla. I was connected to him for a while, never met him. I wrote to him, I said, hey, look, I, obviously I'm curious about Tesla. I'd love to catch up over a coffee. And I never expected him to write back, in fairness. I mean, he's a fairly Why? busy guy. He did write back and he sent a picture of the book saying, well, Figure that, I'm actually just reading your book. I'd love to catch up, come to our factory. I went for a Fremont factory visit. This is the first Tesla factory in, in California. And that's that's because of the book. Right. So long answer to your question, I'll come back to the, <laughs> how do we think fucking... more? But the prelude is that I think we've been mind blown, both Knut and I, of the relevance, or that's what we think at least, uh, that this book has had. I mean, we were hoping it's going to have, but now after one year, we are convinced it has had for the community. And uh, how do we get more supply chain and, and logistics professionals to be CEOs? Uh, so first, read the book, obviously. It's a great book. Um, secondly, I'll, I'll use a metaphor. I'll use a story. It's not even a metaphor. It's a, it's a historic story. Um, in uh, about 50, 60 years ago, there was a, there was a runner, um, or there were many runners, but there, there was the one-mile run. And... Um, Nobody was able to run under four minutes. So the mile was not uh, possible. Um, scientists, God bless their soul, had proven scientifically that the human body mm -hmm. can run the mile under four minutes. And then well, a beautiful thing happened. A gentleman called uh, Roger Bannister, I think, you know, he has been made sir he's in a, the meantime. He's a Brit. Um, we love him. He's a Brit, obviously, <laughs> the great uh, athletes are Brits. And um, he broke that uh, four-minute uh, mile record. And uh, that was fantastic in its own accord. But what happened subsequently was even more mind-blowing. Within weeks, somebody else broke that. And within weeks, somebody else. And now that four mile, uh, that four minutes uh, mile run is basically something that a high school uh, athlete does, right? So they do it under the four minutes. What changed? What changed is the fact that people started to believe it's possible. So for us, the book is meant to, first and foremost, the how is important, but the how comes after the belief that you can do it. And that's, I think, uh, that's a missing piece still. And within the, the community of chief supply chain officers, chief operations officers, head of logistics, the belief that, yeah, I can be CEO. What I do helps the function, helps the business, the 
function that I lead helps the business so much that I should be the CEO of the company or I have the ability to be the CEO of the company. So that belief is first and foremost, that needs to be addressed in order to to see more CEOs uh, coming from the supply chain field, from the operations field, from the logistics field. The how, uh, maybe I stop for a second so you can ask more follow-ups, but the how, well, of course, we can talk more and, and there's a couple of tips and tricks there as well. Um, look, the, the pragmatic and can-do thing is definitely something I recognize in, in the leaders in, in our own business here. Um, if I think of our board, they are all really pragmatic can-do types. And I have to say, most of them are really visionary too, that I see that belief. Are you seeing a change in that around the perception of supply chain, maybe post-pandemic, where everyone's talking about supply chains? I mean, pre-pandemic, people barely knew what a supply chain was. And now, I mean, I've said this before, but my mum talks about supply chains. So have you seen a change there? Have you, have you seen maybe you know, a bit more swagger from the supply chain leaders? 100% the COVID the pandemic was a blessing in disguise for supply chain folks. The prominence, the spotlight of the function overall just blew out of proportion. You know, you can read it in, you could read it in the paper, you, hmm. you know, and read it in Economist, in Times Magazine, you know, you see Santa Claus with the carrying a ship, uh, all sorts of things that all of a sudden put supply chain on everybody's awareness, right? Everybody, yeah. meaning your parents, my parents, and so on. Now, whether or not they actually understand it, it's a different story, but at least they kind of got the concept that it exists. There's something like supply chain and logistics that it exists. Now, what has happened since the beginning of the year to now is the post-pandemic world, um, yeah. where a lot of businesses went back to cost as a as a main measure of success and um you know i'm i'm, I'm over generalizing but um if last two years it was resilience it was how do you uh, mitigate your risks is how do you even make and and get your product delivered you know supply chain was the most um painful <laughs> element to fix of the company now there's a lot less disruption i mean we're not uh, we're not dealing with the same so it has gotten prominence. You can argue supply chain leaders got a seat at the table, got a seat at the board, which was great. And now the last, now in September, nine months or so, businesses kind of went by and large, not all of them, but by and large to good old, okay, but can you get this cheaper? Can you cut costs here? Can you do, you know, inflation and so on? So now right. it's a matter of the supply chain leaders and operations and logistics leaders keeping their seats at the table, maintaining relevance uh, yeah. in a world that, again, has shifted. Yeah, So the, the objectives and the priorities of CEOs and boards have, again, shifted. So in order to do that well, and there's some that have done it fantastically well, there's others that haven't. Um, it's a little bit like using another example. A kid goes to his father, a five-year-old goes to his father and asks the father, hey, can I have some ice cream? It's in the night. It's in the evening, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. The father says, hey, man, look, no, you cannot. You know, you're going to bed, please. After a couple of these attempts, the kid changes his pitch and says, hey, father, I've had a long day at school. You've had a long day at work. Why don't we talk about it over a scoop of ice cream? Yeah. The father says, yeah, what a great idea. I'd love to do that. I'm oversimplifying. The point of that story is 
there's always priorities, right? So, of course, over COVID, it was actually called supply chain. It was actually at the core. Now, you know, people care about CEOs and boards care about cost uh, optimization. Care about the geopolitics is still is still there. Sustainability sure. is obviously high on the agenda. So you gotta change in order to get your scoop of ice cream. You gotta, you know, stay at change the, the story. <laughs> you gotta change, and it's not from a manipulative perspective. It's actually from a, you know practical you got to use whatever is the priority of the board link what you're doing in supply chain and logistics to help the priority of the board and that's how you maintain relevance um and and that's 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 a skill set that's something that a lot of people still don't know how to do well and that that is an art and a skill and a soft skill that is badly badly needed so how do you learn that skill um, so that's, that's something that we, we talk uh, quite a few, uh, a lot in the book and that's more or less, so we have 26 contributors in the book and, right. um, different forms, all of them allude to this and the, kind of the cheat sheet and the how, and again, we may or may not have time to go through all of this, but the, how do you get to CEO? How do you get to the board as a CEO or CSEO is summarized in the book in the chain model. So the chain model is every letter stands for something. C, collaboration, H, holistic, A, adaptable, I, influence, and narrative, chain model. So that is actually the how do you, as an executive within supply chain logistics operation, make and build your career to be on the board or to even become the CEO. So um, now N is the narrative. So I'll, I'll just expand a little bit further on the narrative because that is in incredibly important. So sure. choosing the right narrative, just like the child, right? Can I have some ice cream that's all about him? Can we share an ice cream uh, and, and talk about, you know, how your day and my day went? It's all, all of a sudden changes the narrative, changes the meaning for the father, right? I mean, again, oversimplifying, but pretty much is the same in a, in a, in a business. Um, Completely. You think about it. And how do you learn that? Well, first, Awareness, yeah. So again, I mean, if you're not even aware of this, well, then that's that's a stop showstopper, right? Um, yeah. Second, I mean, pay attention. What does the, the you know? And, and there's some really good good um, leaders. Of the, we had this in a conference that we organized earlier in the year, and he, one of them, said to me, he said, "Now to get my projects approved, I link it to sustainability." And again, I'm not manipulating, but I'm actually saying, look. This is how this is going to help my company where I know that sustainability is top three priority for my board and my CEO. This is how supply chain plays into that. Now, again, it's not just sustainability. Um, another aspect and oversimplifying, but this should be a mantra in supply chain leaders. Talk business. Don't talk supply chain. I mean, nobody cares about uh, oh. optimizations at large, about healing up Could rates. Could not agree large. more. Could not agree oh. more. How are you? So, okay, sustainability is is, a, is ultimately an objective, but it's not just sustainability. How are you helping business make more, uh, get more Maybe. clients? Right? I mean, just spending more money on sustainability is not going to help anybody either, right? So you need to do both. It's a world where both need to happen. Be more sustainable and acquire market share, delight your customers, expand and so on. So this language, you know, pay attention and then use the right levers to 
get ultimately what I mean to get what you want. Trade win wins, really. I mean, this is again yeah. not manipulation. I mean, ultimately, it's about un- understanding your customer, isn't it? And putting yourself in your customer's shoes, understanding what your customers' pinch points, pain points are, and where you can help them. It's it's finding your why. Um, one of my biggest passions is 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 finding that, understanding that, and telling that story, having that narrative in a really consistent and amplifiable way. Um, and and look, I completely agree with you. If you find that story and you are able to um, repeat it, um, but make it relevant where it needs to be relevant to individual customers, individual sectors, individual regions, whatever that happens to be, that's where the power really comes. Um, f- fascinating. Um, so you, you mentioned that you spoke to 26 different re- uh, leaders in your book, in- including our own Ken Allen, actually, who is the former CEO of DHL Express. Um, is, there a, is there a secret source? Did you find a common denominator that links all of those supply chain leaders and perhaps differentiates those from, other, from, from leaders in other sectors? It is the chain model, and we, we use this uh, abbreviation, obviously, also for ease of remembering, because uh, it is supply chain. So the chain model and the five attributes would, would be the common denominator of all of them. Um, I would say also, pragmatically speaking, they are quite different people, and they've had quite different careers. Mm-hmm. And, and that in itself serves as a as a reminder that there's many paths to Rome as well. There's many roads that lead to Rome. And that's why we kind of made it in this easy to read format. Um, but ultimately what kind of the common thread is the chain model. And and um, and that's what all of them in one way, shape or form said that helped, uh, helped them get where they are. So again, at the core, if we uh, oversimplify, right? Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, as Einstein says. Um, it is the it's the core skills, is the soft skills. It's not hard skills. I, I think a lot of people confuse the fact yeah. that they do a good job technically. That's what is going to get them ahead in their careers. It's hardly uh, up to a point. Sure, I mean, if you're you know, if if you're a CFO or a CSC, I mean, if you're a CFO, you'd better understand some basic finance and obviously you need to understand accounting. Are you necessarily the best accountant or the best, uh, I don't know, financial control? Not really. I mean, you need to, you need to know how to manage, inspire teams and people. You need to know how to build relationships. You need to know how to influence stakeholders. That's all in the realm of soft skills and and, uh, it's not, it's not hard skills. So. The sooner people people realize and recognize this, and in order to be a leader, you have to you have to realize that it is really your soft skills that that will will help you get there. Your, your soft skills, your network, and uh, in the book, it's is very clear. It's the chain model, yeah. So the the five different attributes of the chain model that that push these leaders through, and then what is quite inspiring in its own accord is the fact that each of them had their own individuality. And I remember somebody that uh, one of the readers, she told me that she read the book and uh, I asked her, what's the main takeaway for you? And she felt liberated because she had come from a chemical engineering uh, background right. and landed in supply chain. Um, again, like most uh, you know, me and most people in supply chain, um, we didn't plan for this. We did not uh, kind of... <laughs> Um, the, when we were five and people asked, what well, do you want to grow up? Uh, supply do chain. Exactly. <laughs> Who says that? Um, and, supply chain. And so, 
Um, so she was saying that for a long, and she didn't even necessarily realize, but for a long time she had this limiting belief, oh, I did not have a formal education in supply chain. Okay. I didn't go and take a bachelor or master's or something. So that's why I can only grow that much within my organization. Having read the book, I mean, she realized, hey, I mean, all the 26, none of them had anything to do with supply chain. Okay. Supply chain as a, as a overall, as a word profession and all of that is barely 30, 40 years, right? So logistics is way longer, way older. Manufacturing is way older, but supply chain is fairly new. And yes, sure, we have now an explosion of MBAs in supply chain. We've, you know, after COVID, there's a lot more um, curriculums and education available, but this is fairly recent. Um, so for her, it was a liberating moment to realize, hey, actually, you know, there's a lot of people, most people, all the people in the book that have made it and had nothing to do with supply chain. So, so can, can I? Uh, okay. So again, you see the recurring theme. First is belief, right? And then and not everybody needs to be a CEO. Not everybody needs to be a board member. That's perfectly fine to be a functional expert and the best sourcing of semicon person in the world. No quarrels, yeah, with, with we that. We need everyone, yeah. Exactly. But if you do want, I mean, I think first is belief. Second, yes, you need to arm yourself with a chain model and make sure that you have the different aspects and you work on it because as everything in life, you can develop skills. You can get better. I talking about narrative in particular, right? Not everybody is born to be a, and nobody is actually born as a public speaker, but you can work on it. You can right. get better at it with practice. Right. And the more you get better at it, the more you'll be better at telling stories, at creating narratives, at, at influencing and, and inspiring your teams and stakeholders, the hence of being a better leader. So that's something that you can always, always work on and learn. It's a really good point, actually. Um, that mix that you're talking about, having the narrative as well as the the fundamental uh, skills that you need to do your job, there's there's never going to be a, 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 an alternative for that, is there? I wonder, Radu, um, we are seeing more and more people enter the industry who are qualified, um, formally qualified in supply chain. Could that be a barrier to them? Might that hold them back? That they're they're so qualified, perhaps they miss some of those softer skills. I, I think, by and large, no degree prepares you necessarily for for. Uh, I mean, soft skills you acquire, you acquire through interaction, and you acquire. You you need to step into organization. That's why you know work from home and work remotely. Whilst okay, uh, we we made do with with it during COVID is not really a, an option long term because. You don't acquire no. soft skills over Zoom, like no, completely agree. I think about the um the people who were joining our business and perhaps those who joined our business during COVID. I think about how I learned. I learned by copying the person next to me. I learned by seeing how they did things, um, interacting with them, going for a coffee, having lunch. Um, all of those things are so important. Um, I completely agree. I think longer term, those are the things we're going to miss. You can, you know, there's a reason why we have open university and you can do it from home. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to your point, so I see a higher risk of uh, businesses that don't know how to, how to properly uh, retain this young talent. So, you know, you, you have super sharp people they even had an education in supply chain. Some haven't. And I, again, I don't see this as a barrier, right? And they join a company and then they end up putting the front of a laptop with the blue screen with a system from the 80s, <laughs> which can yeah. happen on 90s. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <That is just laughs> yeah. 
I, um, so I, I see that much more as a risk. I think businesses need to step up their game in, in inspiring and then really utilizing fully this young talent um, and also giving them that higher... Um, they, but again, it comes to the narrative, right? Do you really believe that what you're doing and, you know, for example, DHL, you have a strong sustainability push as well, zero carbon, reducing emissions. By the way, that should be our humanity push if we're to... If we are to avoid further um, uh, natural um, damage, that's a that's a very significant uh, purpose for a lot of young people, right? Are, the, are companies that good at communicating that? I'm not so sure. And, and then um, right. you know we are underutilizing talent. I think you know if you just get them to create excels and reports and God knows, I mean, again, you're underutilizing talent. So I think that that that's an element that we would we should be a bit more mindful of. You know, really taking this young talent and fully utilizing them, giving them tasks, um, uh, letting them bite more than they can chew because they might come up with something that's super, super smart. And, and listening to them. They, they, they really do. I mean, I think about, again, when, when I started work, um, as a youngster, um, you, you were the mo- always the most junior and, that, and that's kind of natural, is based on experience. Um, but you didn't really have a place at the table. Uh, I think one of the things that differentiates DHL, and this isn't about DHL, but we do try to give every level of the organization a place at the table we we know that people entering our organization have an opinion um that they're the future we have to be building for that future and the way to do that is to understand what makes them tick as you say radu one of the things that is absolutely critical to them is the sustainability agenda um in its broadest sense not just the green part of it um and if we don't you know if we don't smash that target if we don't um, not just fulfill our responsibility, it's have a commitment that we deliver to. If we don't do that, then, you know, we, we, we're not going to attract that new talent um, or keep that new talent. And and look, we, we talked about a lot about narrative. So let me just also give the flip side because there are some that only talk. And, and <laughs> yeah, so, that's uh, all that works, there's isn't it? The inside that, you know, you, you're a very you good talker talk. and you get zero done, right? So there's obviously it, that doesn't fly either. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, at some point it catches up with you so that's why chain model right so c stands for collaboration and collaboration be high uh, we give a lot of examples in the book i won't spend time but it's really beyond the password because everybody say collaborate yeah but are you actually doing it right so (laughs) that's a different uh different ball game uh, you know collaboration cross department um h is holistic so you you gotta understand the the business fully Uh, most all i dare say all organizations I haven't seen any in my uh, 20 years uh, working in consulting-related jobs that do a good job at, at large, at the company level, right? Um, yeah. Getting the employees in a holistic perspective. And it's fine. You Different departments have different KPIs. The KPI focuses you ultimately on something, so you kind of miss the bigger picture. So if your KPI in procurement is cost, you might get the cheapest uh, rate for something, but maybe then the logistics person will have to pay more for <laughs> well, okay. creating it, right? Uh, and then, you know, you have not actually achieved anything because you've not looked at it holistically. Holistically, um, yeah. So that, that's, I would, I would say, a big, big... Uh, so usually the senior management uh, is something that uh, they can help think holistically uh, and, and push this. And companies that are better, they do rotation, right? So then the more people you have exposed in various departments, then the more the better you can understand the different facets of the business, right? So that's important. Adaptability. Now, you know, again, it's a big word, it's a buzzword, but 
it means are you able to really switch gears so if the situation mm. changes i mean don't get hung up on your uh on your preconceived ideas plans or whatsoever you might just need to you know uh, adapt so like in change change um and influence influence is is a, a lot more personal than the narrative is like you know one-on-one -on -one. how do you influence so if you're in supply chain and you're talking to finance is one language one objective that finance has versus sales they have slightly different objectives you gotta be able to mold yourself and to create these conversations that are win-win with different stakeholders bearing in mind what's their objectives what's your objectives and then finding that win-win and a lot of times it's conflicting yeah so you need to be able to kind of navigate that uh, it's a it's a let's say it can be a healthy tension in a lot of companies it's a completely toxic tension a and all of this put together with the narrative make a good leader yeah it's not just one aspect uh, in its in its own so that's why it's not necessarily easy yeah, i wouldn't say it's easy at all and it's also being a leader is a responsibility it's not a, some sort of a you know a badge of honor that you get to command people i think some people still still think that's yeah. uh, or unfortunately they have that understanding is not uh, it's not easy and and it is a big responsibility that that comes with quite a lot of uh, different skill sets that a lot of people need to work on yeah i, I completely get that and, and when i reflect on um on some of the best leaders that that i've had the uh, the privilege of working with um it's the ones who can talk to anyone it's the ones that that, that know their stuff for sure but when you perhaps go into a warehouse, they can have a conversation with anyone at any level. Um, and the ones that can do that with with absolute authenticity, you know, they're, they're not listening for the sake of listening. They're engaging. Um, there's eye contact. They're adding adding to uh, adding to the conversation. They've got something to add. They're probably interacting with what's going on, even though this was probably a role. If they did it, they performed, you know, many many years ago. That's when you really see a, a light in the eyes of the people that they're asking to follow them. Um, and I think having that mix of, you know, really great people skills plus really great operational skills is perhaps what makes a great supply chain leader. Um, is that different in anything in anything else? Is that unique to supply chain? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's leadership, isn't I it? Think it's fairly uh, that makes a good leader overall. Um yeah. Yeah, just that I, I don't like to talk about stuff. I mean, I I don't know the finance world, or oh, I know less, right? Or I don't know the IT world as much. So I, I like to talk about what I know. I don't think, however, it's that. Uh, I don't think it's that different. And and also like in the in the executive search, so we play C level um, roles. Yeah, we work on CEO jobs or on yeah. CEO jobs, and companies come to us to find them the next leaders and the next talent and the next executives to lead them to better performance and teams and so on. I think overall a mistake the companies do make um, a lot actually even to this day is they they focus too much on strategy and IQ and that's important obviously you don't want a CEO or CEO or CSEO that doesn't know have <laughs> they're not smart and they don't have good strategy but yeah don't underestimate the importance of EQ because ultimately an organization will not long-term follow a leader that has poor EQ, that doesn't have people's skills. After a while, again... You've got to bring it to life, haven't you? You have to be able to bring it to life. I haven't seen any C-level that is not good at communication skills. It's almost like this is a basic <laughs> fundamental hygiene factor. So they can talk the way through interviews. What I, it's very yeah. basic, you know, always do ref checks, always do the ref checks. 
from their bosses and ex-bosses, but also their teams, then their peers, that will give you a good sense. And, and, and always, I mean, okay, I can't say per se that this works for everything, but long-term, the best leaders, absolutely I'm convinced that they need to have the people skills because people will not follow, organizations will not yeah. follow leaders that they eventually perceive to be not authentic, just, you know, walking the big game, but not walking the talk. The talk, it, yeah. It's not apply. And it's such a fundamental human human thing. And still, there's quite a few organizations that hire super sharp, super smart people as their leaders, but they're missing the hard part, which, yeah, I wouldn't underestimate. So, Rado, we've talked a little bit about the fact that um, we are in quite a, quite a strange time at the moment, post-pandemic. We're seeing all sorts of economic um, volatility. Um, what do organizations need to do to attract and retain talent right now? So, so now it's, it's shifted from a candidate market, which was the last couple of years, to a, a basically an employer market. So let me talk about the retention, uh, the retaining part, because uh, literally today, talking to an executive, he was saying, you know, when we started to see signs of a slowdown uh, late last year, my board told me, don't worry, you know, we've had some good years, uh, focus on retaining your, your staff and, you know, we will not take significant measures, cost cutting and so on. Quarter later, they went and shifted completely their pitch and said, well, you need to cast, cut costs, cut it deep. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be uh, quite a bit of an economic uh, challenge for us this year and perhaps in 2024. But the reality is that most businesses, and it is unfortunate, but they have a very short memory on one side and they also have this knee-jerk quarter by quarter, um, it's, I, I guess it's also the curse of the stock market uh, focus, uh, which yeah. is really limiting. So I would say that the smarter, better, longer-term, sustainable businesses don't think like this and that reflects into the retentions uh, side, right? Because if you change your, your your pitch like that as an executive board, oh my God, okay, go cost cutting. Firstly, that affects morale immediately. Like, I mean, I'm not saying, say that you're in Lululand and, you know, this is smashing economic times and so on. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying be disconnected from reality, but how you pass that message to your staff, <laughs> it obviously makes a, a sure. huge difference. You can be inspiring even in the down, downturn and say, look, we need to take some measures, of course. We need to cut some cost. Hopefully, you don't need to fire people. If you do have to fire people, even that can be done with decency and honor and, you know, whilst keeping the current staff motivated rather than you just uh, do it over Zoom or God knows. I mean, we've seen something, right? Um, but I would say the focus is as a leader in these times and as we speak is, well, first, is my top talent feeling safe, feeling engaged? And are they on board with the fact that, yes, we are going through tough times? Yeah. Tough times will always come because will always come because it's ups and downs in life and in business. But now is the time for us to fight, to get market share, to be prepared. Another executive was telling me, we've been racing cars, uh, business being the car, we've been racing all businesses in our cars at 200 kilometers per hour. Now it's going at 50 kilometers per hour. It's best that we change the tires, we do any upgrades, we change systems. Now is the time, right? We have time. Yeah. So there's a lot of positive ways in which you can spin a challenge and you can spin uh, a difficult situation, which yeah. I think most businesses, let's let's just be real, are in today. I mean, 
a lot of companies are sitting on a lot of inventory because it was excess inventory ordered during COVID. Yeah. You're not going to get peak season this year much, right? It's just, it, it is. You can't change that. So all that you can do as a leader, you got to make sure that your stuff is aligned, that you're well prepared and thinking long term, not just thinking, okay, what do I do this three months to make my numbers look cosmetically good? Always short term, think long term. And make sure that your key staff is is engaged and is with you on that journey. Now, of course, you might have to take some hard decisions. Some people might have to let go. Not everybody is equally performing. Look, it is the nature of life. If yeah. you're going to win the Champions League in football, you got to have the best team. No team in this world works with the same players all the time. You've got to make some changes. It, it is normal. But I would say make sure that the top talent is well aligned in tune and and in line with your vision and with your ambitions and with your long term because otherwise they're going to leave business will turn market will come back up and that's when you're going to be in a world of pain if you no longer have the right people on the boat to help you navigate the good times makes perfect sense um love your analogy with the champions league there uh radu i'm a diehard liverpool fan um, and whether we're in the Champions League or not, the leadership displayed by Mr. Klopp, by Jurgen Klopp, um, you only have to see the fans. They're going to follow him through the bad times and the good for all of the reasons you've talked about. It's because he knows what he's doing. He does it with authenticity. He's got a narrative that he's speaking to and he's continuously inspiring. Um, that's an analogy we perhaps could have started with. It's, um, yeah, it's... I think one of the things I've learned through talking to you, I started this conversation thinking perhaps we would learn something specific about supply chains, but what we're learning about is, is how to be a good leader, no matter what industry you're in. Um, and, and those are the things that, those are the things that run true. I think it's part of it is about being a good human being. Um, so Radu, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having this conversation with, with you. Um, like I say, lots of insights to take away and thank you for, for sharing your book and what you've learned from your book and the conversations you have with those 26 um, high hitters. Thank you to all our listeners, whether you're joining us on the website, on Spotify or on YouTube. Um, firstly, make sure you look out for Radu's book. It's available on Amazon. Keep an eye on social media and podcast channels for the next episodes of the Ultimate Supply Chain podcast. Thank you again for joining us and look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks.